Well, it's good to be here sharing God's word with you again, and uh, we'll be continuing our uh, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. So, if you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter five, we'll read verse fourteen to sixteen this morning as we continue to look at what the Lord would have us to be in this world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Let's read together. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again. We, come, we can come before your throne as your children, as this local church called us together, Lord, to learn of you, to worship you, Father, to glorify you in all things that we do. And I pray, Heavenly Father, this morning that you would be glorified in this preaching, that you would be the one who we lift up, that the Lord Jesus would be held aloft, lifted up in this place, that we would adore him, understand him, have a greater knowledge of him, Lord, in our lives, that we might live lives that are more like him. So, Father, we pray to that end that your spirit would work through me and in me, Father, and in all of our hearts this morning, that we might receive this word, Father, only that we might give it back to you as fruit. We thank you once again for this privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a story many years ago of a little girl this was before, before they had streetlights on the roads, who was shivering, walking her way down a, a, dark, a dark street in a city in America. And she noticed in the distance a church with the lights on inside. So to escape the cold, she chose to, to walk into that church and she heard the music coming from uh, inside. And she thought, I'm going to go in and warm myself in there and just listen what's going on. And the preacher was preaching at the front. He was preaching from John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And at the close of the service, the little girl, who was not a believer, went to the minister and said, um, Did you say, sir, that you are the light of the world? And he said, no, little girl. He said, Christ is the light of the world. I am one of the lights. And the little girl looked at him for a moment and solemnly said, well, sir, I wish you would come down and hang out in our alley because it's awfully dark down there. And this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about Jesus telling us very simply that if you're a follower of his, if you're a disciple of his, if you are, as this passage speaks about, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if you are a child of God and you satisfy all those things and you can't satisfy one without being all of them, then you are the light of this world. And you might say, I don't feel like much of a light sometimes. I don't understand how that works. Well, my prayer for you this morning is that by the end of this sermon, you will understand how that works and how... You fit in into this world. 
In order for light to be useful, have you noticed that when, when it's a bright sunny day in a room, you don't turn on the lights? Light is useful to illuminate things that in the dark. Light is useful in, to dispel the darkness. And this is the exact point of us being lights in the world. We don't need to be lights next to another light. We need to be lights in a very dark place to show what's actually there that people can't see. In order for a light to be useful, it must first be lit, though. It must first be lit. And it needs to live in the darkness, with the darkness surrounding it. This is what Jesus calls his children to be. These lights that he sets up in the darkness so that other men may see and other men may glorify him. Light is a very useful thing. It was a useful thing in Jesus' day and it's a very useful thing today. Actually, we use much more of it today than they did in those days because they had very limited resources to, to gain light. They, they would normally, as he says in the scripture over here, he lights, they would light a candle and put it and put it and hold it high so it illuminates the whole home. Today you flick on a switch and your whole house is lit up. Light is very, very useful. We use it for everyday living. We probably don't appreciate how much we actually use it and how, how useful it actually is. But it's also useful in things such as surgery. Ever been operated on? Have you ever noticed the size of the lights they actually use to look inside your innards? <laughs> They're very big lights. And there's a good reason for that. They can't, unless they have light coming from all directions, they can't work properly. They need to see everything that's going on. For those of you who love going to the dentist, I'm sure you love it when they shine that bright light down your mouth. It's a very dark place without light, and they can't work unless there is light down there. Same thing with cleaning. Those of you who know that I work for a cleaning organisation, uh, you can't clean unless, unless there's light. In fact, you can't do many things in life without light. You can't read without it. You can't, you can't even eat your food without it. You can't prepare your food at home without it. It's hard to fellowship if you don't see the other person uh, in the room too. So light has a very, very, um, is very, very useful in this world. And the same way that Salt was useful. Do you remember last, last week's sermon about salt? How useful it was in the world? And it still is. Light is useful as well. And the Lord is actually saying, you are useful in this world. You have a purpose. And you have, you have an obligation to fulfil, to be what you were called to be. Actually, to be who you actually are. And to recognise that. And the reason that God requires us to shine our lights in this world is that the world is a very dark place. We don't tend to see it with our natural eyes. But the world is a very, very dark place. You ever been caught in a place that's pitch black? Where you can't see your hand in front of your eyes? It, it can be a little bit off-putting, can't it? Where you can't see absolutely anything. Where it's absolutely pitch black. You can't, you can't take a step forward. You don't know what's there. You, can't, you don't know anything around you. Well... From the world's perspective, from a spiritual perspective, that's the darkness that dwells on this earth. 
There are countless individuals, whole countries, who live in the darkness of false religions, witchcraft, drugs, alcohol, violence, fornication, gambling, lying, stealing, the list goes on and on and on. And, and these people actually feel that those things are actually okay to do. They have convinced themselves that sin in this world is, is an okay thing. Many people in this world live their lives in direct conflict with what the Word of God says. They have convinced themselves there is absolutely nothing wrong with fornication, adultery, murder, hatred, prejudice, lying, stealing, failing to even recognise there is a God. But the underlying truth of the matter is, is that men love darkness more than the light. And they love darkness because their deeds are evil, the Bible says. Because they love their evil and their sin so much, they don't want it exposed by the light, by the truth. And repentance is a bit is associated with this particular thing. When a person repents, okay, and, we, and repentance is spoken of much in the Bible, what it actually is, is when God's light is shined upon you as an individual, when you hear the gospel and you hear the truth of God's word, when you notice how you are in, 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 when you're bathed in that light, you actually agree with, the, with, with God's assessment of you. You actually say, this is who I am. I am full of sin. I do have these problems. But the person who doesn't want to come to the light, who rejects the light, is a person who, when the light shone upon them, say, I don't accept that. Turn that light away from me. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. We read a very familiar verse and a familiar passage to most of us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. We all know that one, don't we? That's a wonderful verse. Now let's continue to read, though. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Light has come into the world. And that the, the greatest light we have ever seen, and we've had the word of God. I mean, it's been, it was available up to, the, up to Jesus' day in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. But when Jesus came into this world, he was the light of the world. Every truth, every grace, everything that was good, 
was represented in him, was shown in him. He represented fully who God was. Light had come into the world, and that light was the son of God when he was born in a small town called Bethlehem. But the Bible says because men's deeds were evil and their love for sin so great that they would not come to the light but would rather have that light snuffed out. So they sought to kill him. They would rather have continued in the darkness with their evil deeds rather than coming to the light and acknowledge the truth. The Bible says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Rather, the desire within the individual is that they would rather not know their real state. They would rather continue with a lie because their lie for them is an enjoyable thing. They would rather continue for a season in sin rather than understand who they are. But many people are guilty of this thing. You understand that, don't you? When it comes to sin, most of the world around us is like that. They would rather stay in the darkness. And if you look at an example, men, men are a bit like that. You might say, men? Well, men. You know when men, women I understand, as soon as something goes wrong with them, as soon as there's some pain or some, something like that, the first thing they, they want to do is go to the doctor to be fully examined and find out what's wrong with them. Most women are like that. I'm not saying all women are like that. But a man who has a physical problem does what? What will he normally say to himself? Oh, it'll go away eventually. Most men actually are afraid to go to the doctor, lest the doctor actually find something that has to be operated on. But people like that with their sin, they would rather not know their real condition lest they have to do something about it. They don't want to give up the lifestyle they have. And so they run away from the light. It's a bit like those old Dracula movies, you know, those old uh, vampire movies. that They can't exist in the light lest, they, lest they, they melt. People are like that. But when you have nothing to hide, when you're the sort of person who says, look, Tell me exactly what the problem is. I want to know exactly what the problem is, so then I've got a choice about how to deal with it. Isn't afraid to come to the light. Even though their deeds may not be right, they would rather know what their true condition is so that they can then appropriate the actual cure for it. And that cure is Jesus Christ. Criminals commit their crimes in the darkness. Alan, you know that. That's why you have around stations and around, around public places, they, they put plenty of lights around. They, they try to, to put lights in places so that when it's night time, there aren't any dark pockets where people can be lurking because criminals do their work in the darkness. The people who aren't afraid of the light are happy to be exposed in the light, are happy to do what they do in the light. But there's a reason that the world is in darkness. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. 
Yes, we know that people are heaped with sin and they would rather continue in their sin, but how did they actually get to this particular state? And what is it that we struggle against? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says there, for we wrestle, that's us, the people who have the light. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people, against individuals and humans, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Which high places? Which rulers? Which powers? The truth of the matter is that there is, the Bible says, there is a God of this world. And 2 Corinthians says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil has, does a great job of blinding people. He does a great job of keeping people in the dark, convincing them that the darkness is better than the light, convincing them to stay away from church, convincing them not to listen to the person who's sharing Christ with them, convincing them that someone who's a Christian is no good to be near because Christians are hypocrites, Christians are judgmental, Christians are everything else under the sun. Don't go near that person. He's going to ask you to change your life. He's going to demand that you do certain things. He's going to try and brainwash you. The, God, the, the devil does a very good job of keeping this world in darkness. And he's been doing it for a very long time. Surrounding us are millions, in fact billions. We can't count these people. And it's getting worse every day. You know, I often find, often find it interesting when certain uh, denominations believe that one day we will actually Christianise the whole world. That we will Christianise the whole world. In other words, everyone will hear the gospel and the world, the whole world will become Christians. All joining hands singing Kumbaya. But the scripture t tells another story. And reality tells another story. That as the population of this world increases, the percentage of, of Christians is decreasing. And it will come to the point where Jesus returns to this earth and he will have the answer to the question that he posed 2,000 years ago, which is, when I return, will I indeed find faith? And the answer will be no. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. There are millions and billions who know nothing else but living in darkness. They don't know any other alternative. They've never seen the light. They don't understand the light. Someone has told them the light is dangerous. But they know nothing else. They have been blinded from a young age so that they will not accept the truth of God. His plan to rescue them and his love, his grace, his mercy. They are caught in their sin and like a caged animal, they cannot ever hope to escape. The Bible says that the children of God have received that light. 
which can come only from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the light which we now present to the world. We've received that light. And 2 Corinthians 4.5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are a privileged minority who have had the gospel of Christ, the truth of God, the radiance of Jesus Christ shine or shine in our hearts so that our hearts now overflow with that light. The question we now pose or Jesus poses is how can you keep that light hidden now? And the reality is you can't. Who you are now needs to be visible in front of everyone. You know, Jesus cured many people who were blind in the Bible. How many stories have you heard of Jesus curing blind people who were born blind? And they couldn't understand how he actually did it. But Jesus does not just open the eyes, the physical eyes of man. Jesus opens the spiritual eyes of men too. He's the one who opens our sight. He's the one. It's a bit like we've lived in, in a room that's been dark all our lives. And Jesus is the one who comes in and finally switches the light switch and says, see, it's light. And all of a sudden you see the world completely different to what you saw before. Jesus is the one who brings that light. And you can never be the same once you've seen the light. Jesus not only opens the eyes of physical men, but he opens the eyes of spiritually blind. And he does it, believe it or not, with us. He uses us to actually open the eyes of the blind. Does that excite you? Because it excites me. Do you know how Jesus sent his disciples out two by two? He sent the 70 out to actually cast out demons and do these things. Well, you know, in a spiritual sense, God has called us to help open the eyes of the blind. The light that he has planted within us is used of him to actually open the eyes of spiritually blind. And that's the incredible part of the story, is that Jesus himself says, ye are the light of the world. You are the light of this world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. That's not a statement of, 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 uh, of trying or something you have to try to achieve. He's stating a simple fact. If you build a city on a hill and there are buildings in that city with windows, then anyone with a light inside that house can't hide. It's seen from far away. We are used by God to transmit, to reveal his glory to this world. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me. Chapter 2, verse 14. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, 
that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not, not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. That's the Apostle Paul speaking to the Philippians, and he's saying, make sure that when you live your lives in this world, amongst each other and, in the, and amongst the people of this world, do it without disputings and murmurings. Do it, be completely blameless in front of the people in this world and among each other. Be the sons of God that you're called to be without rebuke. In other words, don't give people an opportunity to tell you off. To say, look at that Christian over there. Look at the way he's behaving. It says that we are to live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We live in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation. I'm not sure if you've realised it. I'm not sure if you've actually realised it or understood that we live in the middle of a, of a people... Regardless of where you live in the world, you are living in the middle or the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And it says that we are to live among them, shining as lights in the world. That speaks of the way we live our lives, the things we do, the words we say, the thoughts we have, which then, which then flow through our lives. We are to live an exemplary life in front of all men. Why? Because God deserves it. God deserves it because he has saved us, he has called us, he has redeemed us and we should shine our lights as greatly as, as we can. That's the way we live our lives. In everything that we do, we are to give him the glory. But then it also says, in the fi in final uh, verse, it says, holding forth the word of life. So it's not just... The way we live our lives, it's what we say to these people. Because holding forth the word of life is sharing the gospel that changed our lives. In order to shine, you ever notice a candle when you light a candle? It gives off more than just light. Because if you put your, your, your hand over a candle, you'll notice there is heat coming from this thing as well. And that's the same way we had to be in this world. We had to radiate heat and light. We are to radiate our deeds and the word of God. This is why the Lord wants us to remember that a city that is set on a hill can't be hidden. And that when a person lights a candle, they don't put it under something, they, they hold it up high. That's what we were created for. Pure and simple. We were created by the Lord, we were saved by him in order to hold us high in this, the darkness in this world, not to not be afraid, to not live by ourselves, but to live in the midst of a crooked and adulterous generation. Open. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our lives are to reflect the glory of God and cause all men to glorify him. That's what we want. We don't want men glorifying us. But when we live our lives the way God wants us to live, you know something? Whether they glorify him now by getting saved or they glorify him later, all men will glorify God. The Bible says that every knee shall bow in the end. If they don't bow the knee now, they will bow later. Later, if they don't bow the knee now and they say, look at these Christians, this, this story is a ridiculous story. 
It can't be true. I reject the message that they're giving me. I don't believe in the Bible and I condemn them for the lives they live. Eventually, that person, if they die, will eventually bow the knee anyway. God will be glorified, whether it's through grace or whether it's through wrath. But our place in the midst of this is critical. Our lives and the words we speak should be a constant praise in and of ourselves to God for who he is and what he's done for us. 1 Peter second, uh, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That's our lives. We show forth his praise. In other words, our lives are a praise to him. And if men see the light in this world who are living in darkness and choose to come into the light as well, then he is praised as well. And the praise grows. But we aren't the light in and of ourselves. The light didn't start with us. It's not maintained in us. The light is actually Jesus Christ in us. He is the light. And we are only lights in as much as he is within us. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, we aren't the source of light. We are simply the bearers of that light. Christ is a true and original light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We are Christ's luminaries. Not that well, like the luminaries. It's like God put a candle in us, his own, his own light, and now it shines out through us. And he maintains that light. But the question is how we live our lives. How do we live our lives? How do we take what this small passage says about us? Well, it says that we must be visible. That's the first thing we need to understand. As lights in this world, we must be visible. We can't hide who we are. When you're at work, do you make it a point to hide your Christianity? When you're among the people of this world, do you make it a point not to reveal who you are? Now, praying over a meal can be a very simple thing, but some people find it difficult. But praying over a meal is a way to shine your life because you're glorifying God in your life. I know the struggles that we have as people. I understand it. Sometimes to live as a Christian in this world is a difficult thing. Actually, it's always a difficult thing. Sometimes it's completely embarrassing because people mock what we are and they'll equally mock what we do. But the answer to that isn't to stop doing what God has called you to do. The answer to that is not to stop praising God in your everyday life. The answer is to actually do it and continue it. In all things, you can be a light in this world. 
You know, sometimes I, 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 I talk to people and I, and I see that they have a low opinion of either the church or going to church. And they think, you know, I don't have to be at church every day. I've heard this argument more than once. For me to be a Christian, I don't need to be in church every week. But if you are in church every week, and one of your friends comes to you and says, you know, you want to come to do something with me? And you say, no, I'm in church on Sunday. Do you not think that's shining your light in this world? It is. Or if you go to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, if someone says, what are you doing tomorrow night? Or what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to prayer meeting tomorrow night. Do you not think that's shining your light in this world? It's shining the light. It's those things which sometimes are more difficult to do and difficult to maintain are the things which set us apart. Things which either cause people to question and say, why does he go every Sunday to church and then he goes on a Wednesday night too? Why does that person pray over their food all the time? Why does he not partake and get drunk with us at the pub when we go there? Why doesn't he do all these other things that we do? You see, that's shining your light. Simply being a Christian in this world, doing what God has called you to do, is shining your light. It's pure and it's simple. Nothing too complicated. But sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. As citizens of God's kingdom, we must be visible. Ye are the light of the world. A city that sits on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Jesus expects his followers to be seen by the world. You can't hide your Christianity. If you are hiding your Christianity, there's a problem with your Christianity. Simple. We've been designed to shine on a lampstand, not put under a bushel. And the purpose is that our the radiation that we give off, the light that we, that we share with this world must be visible. Because if it is invisible, it doesn't do anyone any good. If the dentist doesn't shine the light into my mouth when he's actually working in my thing, it doesn't, make it, it doesn't do him any good. That's why we have to be visible in this world. And it's a bit like... I've got a bit of an astronomy background for those of you who don't know. When I was younger... I was a member of the, the Astronomical Society of Victoria. And my father would take me to these meetings in the city, and he had absolutely no idea what was going on. But as a young teenager, I used to, I used to love it so much that he, I, I appreciated him actually taking me there, because for him it was like totally, a, didn't even make sense. They talk about you know, all the you know, different... Uh, 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 planets that were, you know, that were coming into view, and and the ascension and declination, all these different types of words that that they were using, and they were talking about telescopes and the types of telescopes that you would have, you had, and those of you who've used a telescope would know that you know the lens, you know the, the little the, the the lens that are in the telescope, that's called that's called a, a refracting telescope. All right, so light goes in one end, and it goes through a series of uh, of lenses and then it gets focused at, at one end. But there's another type of telescope that's called a reflecting telescope, okay? And a reflecting telescope is very different. What, what they do is they get, they get a big mirror like this. There's no lenses and things in, all the way down the tube. 
It's a big mirror, right? And depending how big the mirror is, is how good you're going to see this thing. And what they do is they shine this mirror, okay? And they actually have to give it a bit of a shape like that. So when the light comes in, the actual, the, the light all bounces to a point on this little tiny mirror, right? In the middle of a telescope and then shoots it out sideways to the little eyepiece where you see. So the actual, if you ever go to a shop, if you ever see those, those um, you know, National Geographic shops and things like that, if you ever notice, you'll see some telescopes that have a, have a, the actual lens where you have to look up like that through a tube. There are other ones where you look, at, you look at it from the side and you think, how does that actually work? Well, that's using a really big mirror in it. Now, the importance of this mirror, I can't, I can't tell you how important it is because if they don't get the mirror perfectly shiny and actually reflecting all exactly into one particular place, it doesn't work. You lose the visibility. You lose it. Now, when I think about Christianity, we're a bit like that mirror, aren't we? Where the love of God actually and the grace of God and the, and the, the beauty of God's truth actually has shone upon us. Now, we have the opportunity to reflect that light. Now, Peter tells us, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. Abstain. Which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Our mirrors must be clean. See, God does the polishing. God does the polishing of the mirror. But we need to be, we need to be careful about allowing the mirror to, be, to become dirty. Because if dirt falls on the mirror... It loses its ability to be able to reflect light. What was a sharp image becomes very unfocused. And we do the same in our lives. The more we allow sin into our lives, the more we partake of the lusts and the things of this world, the more we get caught up in the things of this world, what happens is the perfect image of Christ, which will be reflected in our lives, becomes, begins to become blurry. And it gets worse and worse until people don't see Christ in us anymore. The challenge for us is to keep the mirror clean. And if we allow our mirror to become marred with sin, it, it turns us into robbers in a sense. You might say, robbers? Who are we robbing? Well, we're robbing God. We would rather have a dirty mirror that doesn't reflect God's glory and we rob God of his glory. And we rob men in this world who need to see the light of the light they need to save their souls. We should be, the way we live our lives, should be like a person who's just driven a brand new car out of a showroom. Who's ever driven a brand new car out of a showroom? Put up your hand. Go on. Don't, 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 be, don't be shy. Okay, now we know all the ones who buy brand new cars, all the ones who buy second... No, I'm only joking. If you've ever driven a brand new car out of a showroom, right? Straight out of the showroom. So it's like it's absolutely perfect in every, in every way and you've spent all this money... 
And you know, the, the, the actual polish on it is absolutely, you know, perfect. How does a person drive that sort of car? Is the, do they drive it straight into a mud, a mud patch as soon as they, as they drive out? No, I've noticed the way they, they, they treat these cars. They, park, they don't park them near other cars. They park them well away from other cars. They, when they find a, a parking spot, they find three car parking spots so they can park in the middle one, all right? They keep it polished. They don't want it ruined for as long. They know eventually it's going to be ruined, but they live there, they, they look after it, right? In a way that, that it, the shine is always there. Heaven forbid if a bird flies overhead. They'll change the direction of, the, uh, of where they're driving. Now, think of, that, think of that impression when you're first driving out. You want this car to stay clean. That's the desire we should have about our own lives when it comes to sin, when it comes to the way we walk and the things we do. And even more so, much more than that, if that's a desire for a thing in this world that eventually just gets, gets scratched and ruined after a time, how much more should we desire to live our lives so pure and so holy, without tainted with sin, before God, that we might reflect and people might see the beauty in Christ, not now beauty, but his. That's how we should live our lives. That's why we continually, when we have it at the Lord's table and when we, and when we preach from the pulpit, we say, examine, we need to examine ourselves. Because if there is sin in our lives, all it does is dull our lives. It causes people in the world to see a marred image of who Jesus actually is. And we rob our saviour of the glory that he deserves and the praises that he deserves. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. It is enough that men will... It is enough that men will glorify God in the day of visitation. You may have the most perfectly polished mirror. You may have your life walking so beautifully with the Lord, but remember, the world still loves to live in darkness. And they may even try to throw some mud at you. It's a bit like, you know, if you, you're sleeping at night and someone shines a flashlight in your eyes. Not a pleasant thing, isn't it? If someone, you're in the middle of a thing and you, someone shines a, a flashlight right in your eyes, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes if we live our lives the way God wants them to live, we are uncomfortable to people around us. It makes them uncomfortable. But so be it. God has called us to be lights. We shouldn't diminish our lights. To make them comfortable, we should live our lives that they could they can see the glory of God and see their own sin, that they might turn to Christ for forgiveness. So we are to have an impact in this world. We are to be the light of the world. Why do we make an effort to be the light of the world? Because we are the light of the world. Just as salt is useful, God has said that we are useful. I'll read you one more illustration and we'll close. To convince the people of Philadelphia <clears throat> of the advantage of street lighting. They didn't have any street lighting. Can you imagine not having any street lights at night? Benjamin Franklin decided to show his neighbours by placing one in front of his house. So Benjamin Franklin, and most of us know who that, that fellow is, he put his own light in front of his house. He purchased an attractive lantern, polished the glass and place it on an extended pole in front of his house. 
Each evening he would light the wick and hang out the lantern. Before long, all of his neighbours noticed the light and even those far up the street noticed the warm glow around his house. The people passing by his house were delighted because it made walking in the dark so much easier. Soon, other, pla other placed lanterns in front of their homes and eventually the city recognised the need to have lighted streets. That should be us. Our light should be out so people can see, wow, look at that light. I didn't realise it was there. Now I can see what's going on. If we all shine our light in this world, the desire is, or the hope is, that other people look at the light and say, you know, I need that light too. That's the way we should be in this world. Don't hide the light. Shine the light. So my message to you this morning is, if you're a Christian, shine your light. Don't be afraid of the world and the darkness that's around us. And your light may only shine a, a certain portion of the way. But it's useful. Don't think that my light isn't, isn't that great, that it's going to make a big difference in this world. I'll tell you something. All you need is enough light to shine to a certain place. There were two men who were walking, a father and a son. They were walking with a lantern. And they had a long way to go and the, and the, the son was frightened. And he said, Father, uh, Father, the light only shines to here. We can't see all the way. We can't get to how are we going to know we're going to get to where we have to get to. And the father said, don't worry, son. All you need is enough light for the next few steps. And it'll, that, that little light will take us all the way home. Don't think your light is ever too small. But spend time polishing your glass. Spend time being the best mirror for Christ that you possibly can. And if you aren't saved this morning, then you need that light. If you don't have the light, then you are still living in darkness and there is a darkness that will come later on. The fear that you may have experienced by being in a place that's totally dark will be a never-ending fear because hell is a place of complete darkness with no escape forever, where you won't see your hand in front of you, where you'll be totally alone with no hope. Christ came to save you from that. Christ came to save you from hell. Because in the end, the men who choose to live in darkness here in the world will live in darkness forever. We are the people that will make the difference. Let's not waste a single day. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the message that we declare. And this is what we have to accept.
God bless you. Thank you.